Welcome to The Rock Church, a vibrant, enthusiastic, edgy church meeting in West Bridgeford, Nottingham. You can find out more about us by visiting the-rock.org.uk. We hope you were blessed by this message. Wow. Do you know, I've never stood up to speak before. Just so blessed. What a day. What a day we have had. And I said to the team, I don't need to speak. We can just go now. No band were just fantastic. You know, world quality. We could have sent you guys anywhere in the world today. Never felt so proud. And then Kate just hit us off this morning at 100 miles an hour. What a message. Boom. We thought, that's it. We've got it. And then death gets up. We've had Julie and we've had Jenny honoured. It's just been amazing. Just dig in for this last session, right? I know it's hard on that last bit not to fall asleep. I'd rather you nibble your food than fall asleep, right? (laughs) So feel free to, if you feel yourself going, get a sugar rush. I'm sure you've got something sweet left in your box. We are really blessed at the Rock Church to have the most amazing prayer ministry. And Chris leads that. She constantly feeds me words and pictures. She's kept me going through these last, you know, three years or so that I've been doing this. She prays for me every week. And she sent me a a word yesterday that I just want to share with you because it's for all of us. She said, I had a picture, Lynn. It... um, it was of a heart transplant. And, you know, like in a heart transplant, they, they, they open up the, 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 the skin with a clamp to make it as, as wide as possible so that they can work on the heart. And she said, today God is going to do some heart surgery. Well, I know he's already started that because I've heard some of your responses to the messages we've had already. God's already working on your heart. And she said, God wants to enlarge our hearts for his love. And as he does that, we are going to have a greater capacity for his love. And then we're actually going to feel his love even more. And, you know, whatever our message is today, that you could sum them up that actually what God wants to get us across to us today is how much he loves us and how much he wants to be us to be his people that go out and love in the same way. So thank you, Chris, for that. God is love. And Chris and I both got the same scripture this morning. I woke up. And I've, I've, I know this scripture, but it hit me afresh today. This is the day that the Lord has made. Chris messaged me this morning and said, Lord, Lynn, this is the day the Lord has made. God's made today for you. This isn't just a conference. It isn't you just coming to hear some information. It's coming to hear God's revelation for you today. It's his day, and he's made it for you. So we are on with once upon a time. When God made us, he had a dream for us, personal dreams for us all individually. Yes, you and not just your neighbor. I can hear what you're thinking. You know, as Kate highlighted, 
I want upon a time story started in creation, handmade by God. Strong helpers, strong powers. You know, it was a newly created earth, newly created people. Earth was paradise. And one of my favorite scriptures is where it said that God came to walk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. How beautiful, how relaxed, how reassuring when God comes to walk with us. Well, God came to walk with Adam and Eve, and they were living the dream. Unfortunately, it was about to turn into a nightmare. Just like in the story of Cinderella, a buddy always appears. And in this story, the buddy was the enemy. He came and he tempted Adam and Eve to sin. And they fell for it. And when God came to walk with Adam and Eve after that, he couldn't find them. They'd sinned and they were hiding. You know what? Thousands of years later, people are still sinning and still hiding from God. But as Debs explained, God had a rescue plan. The King Jesus came down to earth with an invitation to connect us back to the palace, back to the kingdom. Paradise was back in the picture, and our dreams are back in the picture. But there is a process. We need to be free, or we will never live God's dream for our lives. Jesus rescued us from captivity. And you can take the girl out of captivity, but it doesn't automatically take the captivity out of the girl. The title of my message is Free to Live the Dream, God's Dream. And that is what I'm going to pack in this last message. I hope it continues to do some heart surgery on us. You know, in our theme song, we've chosen it. We're singing about a new horizon. It's a new horizon when you come to faith. It's a new horizon. We have to let the light on in. You know, there's plenty of light in our heavenly horizon, but we have to let it in. We all come into the kingdom with stuff, hurts, hang-ups, fears that we've collected on the way, dots, dots, and more dots. Some of us are very good at letting God in, and we're good at letting him remove them, but for some of us, there are big barriers. Some of us don't even realize we've got barriers that we've put up before God. Or we initially sort things out. We have a blurry activity. We experience some freedom in God. And then things happen after we come to faith. Things happen that we thought, well, God just might protect us from. And then Christians sometimes say things or do things that we never thought they would do. And barriers start to go up. We're in the kingdom, and the light's still shining very brightly, but it's only hitting our skins. 
It's not going all the way in. It's not hitting our hearts. You know, we can feel the dream, but we're just not living it. We can feel the warmth and light of God when we go to church. We worship him and we praise him. We feel it. But it can be like a sunny day. In the evening, the sun goes in and we suddenly face our darkness. We're not entirely free. We're captive. We're not free to live the dream and we can only desire it so easy to get discouraged you can get confused why when I'm here do I feel this and why when I'm there do I feel that maybe it's just me maybe this is it maybe this is good as it gets maybe there is no dream for me no 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 says God I know the plans I have for you plans to prosper you and not to harm you. I know them because I wrote them. The Bible says that God is not a man, that he would lie. He isn't human. He's our godly father, and he has promised that never will he leave us, and never will he forsake us. Philippians 1.6 says this, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on until completion, until the day of Christ Jesus. God has begun a good work in you, and he is committed to complete it. God at the beginning, and God at the end. But it requires our cooperation in the middle. That cooperation is called faith. We have to be willing to remove the barriers. If we're not living the dream, it's because we're not free. And if we're living the dream and we're not enjoying it, it's because we're not free to enjoy it. We're being held captive in some way. Maybe captive to fear, inadequacy, people-pleasing, unforgiveness, ignorance, complacency, can't be botheredness. There can be so many reasons. And the reality is something has got you. God wants to break its grip. We need to let the light on in, right through surface level to heart, mind, and emotion level. And that beautiful ladies. It's not easy. I don't need to tell you that. In this last slot, we are going to find some keys to freedom, and we are going to find some lessons to living the dream. You know, Deb's brought us a wonderful Cinderella story. Well, the Bible has a Cinderella story. It has all the feel of a fairy tale, but it's 100% real. It's a story of rags to riches, from cruelty to captivity, to a life in the palace, from insignificance to significance. A girl who lived the dream is full of drama, battles, and bravery. And there's so much that we can learn from this about finding freedom and living our dream.
It's about a girl called Esther. Some of you will be new to this story, and some of you will know the story of Esther really well. But I just encourage you, this is the day the Lord has made to press in and lean in to what God has for you today in this message. So the story is set in Persia around 500 years BC, and the king at the time was called Xerxes. Now, I meant to ask someone if that's how you say that. How do you pronounce it, Xerxes? Let's just call him Xerxes. Is that all right, Kate? We'll call him Xerxes. <laughs> you don't actually say it out loud when you're reading it on your Bible, do you? But there we go. So three years into his reign, he decides to throw a huge, lavish banquet. It was a display of his opulent wealth. And I'm going to read the beginning of this story out of the Bible. So some of the scriptures will appear so that you can follow those. So I'm going to start here. It says, drinks were served in golden goblets of many designs. And there was an abundance of royal wine reflecting the king's generosity. By edict of the king, no limits were placed on the drinking. For the king had instructed all his pal officials to serve each man as much as he wanted. At the same time, Queen Vashti was given, uh, gave a banquet for the women in the royal palace of King Xerxes. And on the seventh day of the feast, when the king was high in spirits because of the wine, he told the eunuchs who attended him to bring Queen Vashti to him with the royal crown on her head. He wanted the nobles and all the other men to gaze on her beauty, for she was a very beautiful woman. But when they conveyed the king's orders to Queen Vashti, she refused to come. And this made the king furious, and he burned with anger. He immediately consulted with his wise advisors. The advisors decided that they had to do something, otherwise it would set a bad example to all the other women. And they recommended that Queen Vashti just be banished forever from the king's presence, and that the king should choose another queen more worthy than she. And their recommendation was that they just search the empire to find beautiful women to bring before the king. They would put them in the palace. They would give them 12 months of beauty treatments. Then they would let them choose any dress and any jewelry. And then they would be presented to the king. And the king would decide which girl he liked the most. And she would become queen. And the king quite liked that idea. So he said, let's put that plan into effect. Well, the beautiful woman that the king ended up choosing was a young Jewish girl called Esther. She was an orphan. She'd been raised by her cousin, Mordecai. And this was the start of Esther's once upon a time story. She started to live the dream. She now lived in the royal palace. She had clothes, jewelry, maids, luxury, whatever she wanted. And she must have thought that she'd hit the jackpot 
a real Cinderella story. But what do we know? A baddie always comes along. <laughs> and it was no different for Esther. His name was Haman. And he was the king's evil second in command. Only the king didn't know that Haman was in the palace simply to trick the, the king to give him permission to annihilate all the Jews. Well, Mordecai, Esther's cousin, decided to make Haman's plans known to the king. But he needed Esther's help. Esther needed to go to the king. But it wasn't as straightforward as Mordecai thought. She sent this reply back to him. There she said, all the king's officials and even the people in the provinces know that anyone who appears before the king in his inner court without being invited is doomed to die unless the king holds out his golden scepter and the king hasn't called for me to come to him in 30 days. So she was clearly worried for her life. She knew the king now. And she was obviously unconvinced that the king would just hold out his golden scepter, even for her. But Mordecai wasn't deterred, and he sent this reply black to her. He said, don't think for a moment that because you are in the palace, you will escape when all the other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at such a time of this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place. But you and your relatives will die. And who knows if perhaps you are made queen for such a time as this. This ended up being a really powerful reply for Esther. And it caused her to really wrestle with why she was in the palace. Maybe there was more to her existence than simply living the luxury lifestyle and wearing the crown and looking beautiful. What if Mordecai was right? Maybe she had been made queen for such a time as this not just for the crown, but also for the crisis. And it seemed that if she didn't do it, she would certainly die along with her people. She then has a very dramatic turnaround. She has what I call a God-tug moment. She realized it's God tugging on a heart. The penny drops. She gets it. She realizes she's called to be the strong helper, the strong power. Like Kate said, she was by the side of Mordecai. He needed her help. She complimented him. She embraced the challenge, and she sent this reply to Mordecai. Just hear now the energy in her reply. She says, go and gather all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days 
or night. My mate and I will do the same. And then, though it is against the law, I will go in and see the king. If I must die, I must die. So Mordecai went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. Well, Esther fulfills her assignment. She just doesn't go to the king. She goes to the king with a powerful plan that took some time to accomplish, but she kept her cool, and she implemented it with bravery and with courage. God's people are safe from destruction, and Haman is killed instead. (laughs) There's so, so many lessons that we could take out of the story of Esther. But I'm going to speak into being free and living the dream. And I'm going to start with living the dream. We're going to end with freedom because then it's going to lead into worship and to some ministry. Okay. So what lessons can we learn from this story about Esther living the dream? There's going to be six points appear on this screen if you want to make some notes. Well, the first point is that being in the kingdom with the king isn't the full story. You know, when you come to faith, that isn't it. It's absolutely necessary, though. Esther needed access to the king to have influence and power. But it was just the start of her story. It was just the start of God's dream for her. You know, we come to faith, we enter the kingdom of God, and we have total access to the king. And it's absolutely necessary for our influence and power comes from him. John 15, 5 says, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Jesus says, for without me, you can do nothing okay so we need to be in the kingdom we can't do anything about without him but it is just the start of our once upon a time story we haven't arrived when we make it to church we make it into the kingdom it's just the start god has so much more for us point two Is God's dream may come wrapped in fear and dressed up as an interruption to your kingdom life? Esther was in the kingdom with the clothes and with the luxury. She wasn't looking for anything else. Now, God's dream for us doesn't always come nicely packaged with a bow on top and looking pretty, it may clash with our own idea of what a dream would look like. But we may just be the strong helper and the strong power that God is calling to sort these different situations out. I said earlier, it was as if Esther had a God talk moment. The penny dropped that she wasn't in the kingdom just for the crown, When we get into the kingdom, God crowns us. We have our crown. We're in the kingdom for the crown. But we're also in the kingdom 
for the crisis situations that come along. You know, when my dad was 92, he started falling and forgetting things. My sister and I used to go in and help him, and it became obvious that he needed more help. So we started to look for carers, but my dad wasn't a fan. You know, we had lots of conversations, and he used to say, but, but you help me, love. I said, I know we, we help you, Dad, but you need more help. And then one day, he kind of gave this heartfelt plea, really. He said, I don't want any carers coming in. Can you do it? I said, Dad, I, I can't do it. I've got a job. And he said, well, I'll pay you. Can't this be your job? And it was just like, oh, really? You know, emotional moment for me. I thought, well, I've got a job. And anyway, I carried on looking for carers, but it just wasn't working out. And I realized it was a God-took moment. When, when my dad said that, just like when Mordecai said that to Esther, and she suddenly it tugged on her heart. I tugged on my heart. Anyway, I gave up my job, and um, I looked after my dad. And, you know, he turned this nightmare into the most amazing, powerful love story. <laughs> and I had a, a year with my dad, and I realized now as I look back that I was his strong power, I was his, his strong helper, I did everything that he needed to do, it blessed my socks off. You know, that giving up my job, not knowing what I was going to do next, was not in my plan, but it was clearly in God's plan. So, number three is we may have to face some kind of fear when we live our dream. Not always, but most of the time, I'd suggest. Esther faced a real fear for her life. Not many of us will face life-threatening situations, but there's probably going to be some kind of fear in there somewhere. Fear of man. Fear of failure. Fear of what will be involved. Fear of what it might cost. Fear as a, a way of sneaking into all our situations. You know, I faced the fear of giving up my job to look after my dad. It nearly cost me my dream. After, after I, um, when my dad passed away, my next job was actually to work for church. And I got to be a leader of some different ministries. And it was a dream job for sure. But you know, fear nearly stopped me enjoying the dream. You know, I was in the dream living the dream, but I wasn't happy. You know, I realized that fear was getting in the way. There was fear of man. You know, what, what if people didn't like me? What if they thought they could do a better job than me? And then the biggest fear of all was fear of failure. What if I'm not actually cut out for this? I remember literally doing an Esther, declaring to myself, well, if I fail, I fail. <laughs> and of course I haven't. I haven't failed. Have I made mistakes? Have I got things wrong? Absolutely. 
It's all part of learning and growing. But I realized that doesn't make you a failure. I know I've been called by God. I know what he's called me to do. And the only thing that makes me a failure is not learning from my mistakes and quitting. Point four. So Mordecai used two powerful statements to help clinch the deal with Esther. Point four was, if, if you don't do this, someone will. You know, Mordecai wasn't saying that to Esther to give a FOMO, fear of missing out. He was saying, that, saying God is committed to his plans and purposes, and he's not going to let his people be destroyed. He chose Esther to be her powerful helper, his powerful helper, his strong power. But if she said no, then he would have to use somebody else. God is still very committed to saving the world. And if we don't accept our assignment, then he has to give it to somebody else. It won't be there forever. And I urge you, I urge you, don't give your dream away. Don't let God have to give it to somebody else. It will have highs. It will have lows. It will no doubt be full of dramas. But if you press in and don't quit, I can guarantee when you get to the end and you see the fulfillment of it, it will bless your socks off. Well, the second powerful statement followed straight after, which is our point five. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this? Why are you here in the world today, ladies? I suggest you're here for such a time as this. And you need to see your assignment. You need to look at that assignment in the eyes and you need to say, I I'm, I'm in the world now for such a time as this to do this assignment. You need to be confident that God is going to make you the strong power, the strong helper that he needs. Our last point on this part is when we say yes, the power comes, and not before. You know, we see Esther switch. She goes from fear to write, this is what needs to happen. She goes from uncertainty to let's do this. She goes from I could die to if I die, I die. But she didn't die. And neither did God's people, and neither did God's dream for her. Most of us want to hear the call and feel the power just so we can be, you know, kind of sure that that's what God's calling us to, but that's not how it works. We don't get the power until we step out. Because the reality is, until you step out, you don't actually need the power. We have to trust that when we get God's tug, that we'll get God's power. You know, Esther accepted God's dream for her life, and we're still talking about her 
thousands of years later. Let's all be brave and courageous. Have our radars up for the God talk and accept our dream. It's our time. It's your time right now. So we're going to look at be free. Let's come into this last half. You're doing well, ladies. I know it's not easy. Hang on in there, yeah. See a few eyes going. <laughs> Hopefully not mine. All I say is, please, Lord, don't let me fall asleep. <laughs> there was an important stage in Esther's preparation that you may have missed. Scripture tells us that Esther spent 12 months a year in beauty treatments before she even put a dress on. A year in preparation. The same is true for us. We come into the kingdom, and as I said, you can take the girl out of captivity, but it doesn't automatically take the captivity out of the girl. Debs gave us Isaiah 52.1. Put on your beautiful garment. I love this picture of this beautiful blue dress. You know, I could chip in some of the most expensive ball gowns for us all to wear today. Amazing dresses that show off our beauty. Dresses that would make people say, wow, that looks amazing. You look gorgeous in that. But some would find those comments quite hard to receive, but literally quite hard to believe. And replies would vary from what, this old thing, to look at my arms, my legs, my backside. Oh, it, it looks better on such and such. You know, when someone does that to you, you know you lost, don't you? you? You can't convince them. It's just like, nah, I can't. The opposite can happen. Sometimes we can put on a dress and we can feel like a million dollars only get to go back to feeling like Cinderella when we take it off. So what does our preparation look like? A year at spa? Well, that might be nice. I oh, know, somebody's hand has gone up there. That was, that was up straight away. Yeah, I'd like a year at spa. But the problem is, you see, that our issue isn't external, it's internal. And God says he wants us to get dressed from the inside out. If we are right on the inside, our beautiful dresses would just be an extension of how we feel. They'll just be an extension of who we know we are. When you are right on the inside, you will wear the dress. The dress will not wear you. Being sorted on the inside is such a powerful thing. Beauty just radiates out of us. I've heard this said of people, oh my goodness, she could make a black bin liner look good. Have you heard anyone say that before? When your beauty flows, 
anything looks good on you. Literally anything. You know, scriptures say, God renews our youth like an eagle's. And those who look to him are radiant. They just glow. Their faces are never covered with shame. It's not about what they've got on. It's about what they've got inside. So God wants us to check our internal wardrobes today. And my question to you is, do you have a Cinderella wardrobe on the inside? Or do you have a royal wardrobe on the inside? If you've accepted Jesus' invitation into the palace, you've accepted an invitation to be healed and forgiven and set free. 1 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. The Cinderella wardrobe has gone, and the royal wardrobe is here. But we have to cooperate and make the switch. It's how we get free. Debs gave us the definition of Cinderella. It was a person whose merit, value, or beauty is for a time unrecognized. A Cinderella wardrobe hides our beauty because it's full of guilt, it's full of fear, it's full of shame, full of unforgiveness, doubts, insecurities. Ladies, we need to get some black bin liners and clear those wardrobes out. As we've been singing today, our theme song is, we have to say goodbye fear, goodbye guilt, goodbye shame, goodbye pain, goodbye grave. We need to say goodbye to all the things that hinder our beauty. It's a new horizon. It should be a new horizon. When you come to faith, you should just be just shining in the, just a, you know, the glory of the new horizon that we have in Christ. But a lot of us are secret hoarders. We find it hard to clear our wardrobes out, don't we? Cost us a lot. <laughs> we might need it one day. You know, as ugly and as painful as unforgiveness is, a lot of us struggle to give it away, to give it to God. It was painful. It hurt. People that hurt me don't deserve to be forgiven. It's not about them. It's about you. And you don't deserve the pain of unforgiveness. That has to go. You know, we wear some of these things like old, worn-out, tracky bottoms. We wouldn't want anyone to see us in them, but oh my goodness, don't they feel comfy? <laughs> Over the years, we become, can become so comfortable with our doubts and our fears and our insecurities. We can end up saying, well, it's just who I am. 
It might be who you are, but it's not who God's made you to be. We need to stop wearing these ungodly garments. They're hiding our beauty. Your beauty is in there. Like Kate said in her message, it's been there from the beginning. It's just hidden. We have to let it out. Esther means star. Well, what a star Esther was. She said, goodbye fear. Goodbye shame. You know, if I die, I die. And she shone. She let, she let God's love light shine right through her. She rose in power, strong helper. The band want to come up? You know, we need to have royal wardrobes full of godly garments. All the things that Jesus got for us on the cross. We need to fill our internal wardrobes. You need to get your internal wardrobes. You need to open that door. And we need to say, hello, peace. Hello, joy. Hello, love. We need to say, hello, strength. We need to start wearing them from the inside out. That's how we get free. That's how our beauty is released. Our wardrobes need to be filled with our Christ-like identity. It really is a new horizon. It should be a new horizon. Now, our freedom isn't going to be just attained today. It's a process. But we can start the process. We can acknowledge what's in our internal wardrobes, and we can make a commitment to declutter them and to rebuild them, to make them godly, royal wardrobes. tell you a fact this is 100% true freedom is going to look good on you you are going to look amazing in freedom it's going to really suit you you're going to glow you're going to look stunning when you are free that's all you need it's all about freedom when you're free you're just gorgeous if you're not gorgeous you're just not free Corinthians 3.17 says, the Lord is spirit. Wherever the Lord's spirit is, there is freedom. Amen. Worship helps to bring us into the spirit-filled presence of God. Yeah. But we need to engage with that. You know, we're going to go back into our conference song. It isn't just the song. This song's ministry. And God wants you to stand today in this song and declare it goodbye fear god kick it out goodbye girl god get out goodbye shame get out no hello peace hello joy come on come living me you can come in you can come in get the good stuff in yeah so we're going to go back into this song 
We're gonna go back into this song with purpose. We're gonna go back into this song and let it do us good, yeah? Just sing it. We've got two songs. If you wanna come forward and let the prayer team pray with you, you can. But you can get free just singing where you are. So let's get rid of some stuff, hey? Let's get rid of fear and let's bring in love and joy. Thank you.